What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. This is Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is part two of my two-part interview with Jennifer Quayle. Jennifer was a not just a contestant on Jeopardy, but an eight-time winner and racked up $228,000. And she will probably be invited to the Tournament of Champions later on this season where she could win a million dollars, something like that. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, uh, Jennifer is my guest this week and also last week. So if you missed last week after you listen to this one, go back and check that out. But fascinating because she really does talk about the behind the scenes activities on Jeopardy, the strategies, what it is like. Here's part two, Jennifer Quayle on Hollywood and Levine. Of course, your first day, you just blew everybody away, but you seemed very comfortable. Now, when you started, I imagine, you know, you had a modest goal and you thought to yourself, boy, if I could come away with fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000, that would be great. But once you started really racking up the totals, was there more pressure? Did you put more pressure on yourself? I I think the hardest game for me was the second game because coming into it first I've done, I've done theater. I had a coworker ask me, have you done theater? I was like, yes, I have. Why do you ask? Cause like, you don't look nervous. Good. I'm I'm glad I appear so, but I've also done a lot of things. Like I've worked in museums in museum education and there is no scarier audience than a room full of third graders where you have 10 minutes to get a certain number of points across to them and hold their attention or else, because they're sitting there like, all right, lady, impress me. So after that, I was like, all right, you know, this is the, the Alex wants me to succeed. These nice people want me to succeed. All of my fellow contestants seem very nice. Worst that can happen. I embarrass myself on national television, but oh, well, the internet will forget me in a week, right? Um, And I just like, okay, just go in and ideally don't be in the negative after Double Jeopardy. Try to finish at least in second place. And of course, by the end of my first match, I did look up there and realize, all right, I've got, I have a runaway. There's no question that I'm going to lose this match unless I do something really stupid when I bet. So Cliff Clavin, yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, do not do not cliff claven yourself. Do give <laughs> give yourself some cushion there, people. But there is more strategy to betting in final than than it might seem obvious. It doesn't always make sense to go all in or nothing at all. But on that one, I thought, all right, I'll risk enough where even if I get this wrong, I will still end up in first place at that point. But the second match, then you come back and now you're at podium one. Now they're going to introduce you as the returning champion and tell everybody how much you won. And it's like, okay, panic. Now you have to prove it. You have to go back and like, all right, you're not the fluke. You're not the, the one, the one hit wonder who came in, did really well and then choked in their next game. No pressure or anything, but it worked out, but that was probably the most nerve wracking game was probably the second one. You do five shows a day. I can imagine by the fifth show, um, it's got to be tough to concentrate and to have the same amount of adrenaline at three in the afternoon that you had at 1030 in the morning. Yeah, and it really depends on how the game before that went, too, because if you just came off a really good win, all right, you're feeling confident, um, you're up, you're you're happy. If you was a real, real squeak, you're like, oh, God, that was close. Got to make sure that doesn't happen again. So it's it's all really. But on the other hand, also, I, I, I probably drove the, the poor makeup ladies and Mitch nuts, but every time back there, I'm like, this is you know no big deal, no big deal. This is, everything is gravy. I won a match. I won quite a bit of money. You know, I'm, I'm, it's all good. No matter what happens, it's all good. And Mitch is like, yeah, everybody's like that. It's like, our champions like this. Like, yes, yes, they all are. But after a while you get that, you know, like, okay, there's some pressure. But on the other hand, again, it's, it's a game show. It's fun. Um, and the worst thing about after you lose, and at this point, everybody loses on Jeopardy eventually, um, even Brad now. So, <laughs> At some point, everyone loses. The worst part after it, honestly, is, is, oh, I don't get to play Jeopardy anymore. Right. That's the saddest part. Like, yeah, it would be nice to win more money, but I really want to go and play some more, so which I will hopefully get to do. But When you when you did finally lose to a one-hit wonder and you, and you lost <laughs> by like just a, a couple of, of bucks, were you pissed? I really mostly mad at myself i mean the one i will kick myself on forever and as i should have rung in on that clue where the answer was who is franz joseph i should have rung in on that i knew that answer but i second guessed myself the only other one from any of the games i played where i'm really really kicking myself and it's because i lived in boston is i should have rung in on the fenway park clue but i just couldn't in that case i just could not resolve fenway park and football in my mind they just don't go together and the last game, I was like, if I had rung in on that one, I could have got control of the board, and I'm, you know, I might have been in first in coming into final instead of in second and needing someone to make a mistake. But at the end of the day, I lost by about two hundred dollars, and we both had over thirty thousand dollars. So we had she had to work, <laughs> and I still came out of it with over $200,000 in winnings. So yeah. I can't complain um, that, yeah, I was mostly disappointed in myself and I felt like I had let people down, if that makes any sense. I'm sure. like, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I should have done, I feel like I could have done better, especially when it, the show started running here and people 
during the one the show was on, it's like, we hope you keep winning. It was really great. And I'm thinking, oh God, they're all going to be so disappointed in me. But really every everybody has been has been great about it. So there wasn't any, but it, it's the pressure you put on yourself after a while that that's the worst part. And the people on the show are really, really nice, no matter what, how, how well or how poorly you think you do. Everybody's really kind to the contestants. Okay, I'm going to go back to something that you said earlier when you talked about your initial audition and they were trying to get a sense of how you would be on camera. And it seems to me that Jeopardy is not a very chatty show. Is that kind of discouraged? It seems like, because if I were on that show, and of course I would be closer to the lady losing the $6,000, but I would kind of have some fun with it uh, a, a little bit. Do they discourage that? No, they, they definitely don't discourage it. They want you to try and stay on point, as I'm sure you can tell. I'm not always good at that, but there's only so much time that they have per break. And Alex is, is pretty good at moving contestants along if he thinks you're running on too long. But I think they know we're not wheel of fortune. We're not catch 21. We're not, you know, they don't want people who are going to jump up and down and scream. That's not the image that jeopardy projects. They've got a specific type. They want you. I think what they want is they want you to be clever, but approachable and ideally interesting, but not, crazy interesting they you know they they want somebody with an interesting job and i don't know maybe you know wine tasting consultant sounds interesting enough they figured what the heck that's different no i know some of those those job titles you go what is that you know it's it's almost like what's my line thing where you're going wait who does who does that bread making consultant what does that even mean yeah (laughs) Some of the, the the more science and technical ones, I, I'm think they're going. I don't think I would even pass the freshman prerequisite course to get into your you know prerequisite degree for your graduate program to get what you do for a living. But on the other hand, then I turn around and beat these people. So I it's it's kind of. I don't think they're looking for a specific job type, but I think they're looking looking for people who can sound intelligent, reasonably upbeat, but not jump up and down and scream. I think or freeze. I think the the worst you could do at an audition would be just not respond to them at all, and just yes, no, yes, that's right, Alex. No, I, I think that's the one thing they don't want somebody who's really closed off and unlikable or really really scared. Right. I, I saw a recent episode where a champion missed on the final Jeopardy answer. And she took a couple of seconds and explained what her thought process was. And and then she kind of backed off like, oh, uh, yeah, should I not have said that? Uh, like, oh, did I cross a line by by doing that? Yeah, I don't think they're, they're not really going to yell at us, but that was kind of uh, unusual. They do say during the reveal, when they're revealing the answers and Alex is looking at your bet, they say, don't say anything. And if you can maintain a poker face, that's good. So you always hear Alex you know, smiling or you don't look happy. Um, right. But they want you to try and stay calm and quiet. I don't know if they've ever said not to talk back at the end, but it's also the end you've usually got like 10 seconds and, and they go to credits. So there's not a lot of time for chit chat unless they decide to allow it. I think as long as you're not arguing back, 
um, and just trying to disagree with the judges, at which point they probably just stop it and reshoot it. But it's a little unusual because they want to keep it moving and there's, there's so little time, especially since at the end, then again, everybody's going to get off, go get changed, come back, shoot the next episode or it's the end of the day. And then they've got other cleanup stuff they do. So it's a little odd, but I mean, I think it was fair. And Alex ran with it. That's the other thing. Alex is, is Mm -hmm. a lot of control when he's up there. And if he decides to run with what you're talking about, or he decides to go way off the, the beaten path with your answers. And at least once he, he just did what in retrospect, it was not random. He asked me about star Wars a second time because he knew there was a clue coming up about it. I did not know there was one, but he did. And he was setting me up for that. He, that way he reminded everybody who's watching that I'm a star Wars fan. So when that clue came up, either I was going to ring in and get it, in which case he could point it out, which he did. I'd ring it and get it wrong, in which case he could give me grief about it. Or I miss it and he could tease me about being out buzzed. Because you can tell Alex is just always thinking on his feet like that. And, and, you know, he's been hosting this for almost as long as I've been alive. So (laughs) he's very, very good at that. How many did you just know the answer and what percentage were you like, nah, I'm going to take a shot at this. I, 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 I think I got this or something in the clue. I wouldn't have gotten it without something in the clue that kind of gave me a, a hint. I, I'm going to take a shot at it. Well, there are some, it, it's easiest to remember final because you have the most time to think about it. There are some that work. I will tell you on my, my last episode, that run DMZ clue, that was a complete flyer on my part. I was like, the only the only rap trio that's from long enough ago that I can remember, maybe it's them. Okay, well, I was right. I didn't have no idea how I knew that. Some, uh, like the first final Jeopardy on my first game, I knew instantly when the clue came up what the answer was. So I just went right ahead and wrote it. With the one about the vice president's, <laughs> I don't remember the exact number of years, but 150 some years before George H.W. Bush, this man was the last sitting vice president to be elected president in his own right. And you can see me doing the math. Okay, George W. Bush, those 1980, so 100 years before that is 1888. So 50 some years before the 1830s, which would put it into like Andrew Jackson. I'm going, okay, Martin Van Buren is Andrew Jackson's vice president, so it's got to be him, but is it really? That was the last one? Like, okay, I'm running out of time. I have to write this down, but I think I'm right. And the other two said Jackson, who I knew was wrong. And it was like, all right, it's Martin Van Buren. I'm like, okay, yay. And I had to think on the Ann Rand one too, but the anti, there was one where she was talking about how it was communist propaganda. So I'm going, Something okay related to no, not pro. Uh, oh, anti-communist propaganda. Anne Rand. See, I've never actually read Anne Rand, but I know what she wrote about. So, right. Yeah, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to go for that one. And with that one, it would have been a lot harder without that exactly what she was testifying about. But you know, you, uh, so many of the clues that the writers are really good at putting that little thing in there, where if you know it that little hint, even if you're struggling to come up with that, that little hint, final jeopardy the other night, Swiss family Robinson. I did not, I didn't know that, but my mother, my mother did because she thought Robinson Crusoe family pastor. Uh Okay. That makes sense. It's that little chain and they've gotten really, really good at doing that. Sometimes too good. Sometimes you, you have to not let yourself fall into that 
wait, is it obvious? But it's too obvious. What if it's not? What if they're trying to trick me by making it seem like it should be this obvious thing, but it's not? But because if you if you start doing that, you're going to go crazy. It's a really fine line. And most of the time when I rang in, I either knew it or I had something in mind where I was confident enough. I am probably 60% sure I'm right. And I really don't know how many I got right versus how many I got wrong. I would have to look again. The Jeopardy fan keeps track of these things. I don't know how they do that. Uh, He must just sit there doing numbers every single day after every single episode, trying to figure out percentages and um, how many. I do know, thanks to his site, that I had 15 daily doubles over eight shows uh, or nine shows, all of which I got right. And I had eight out of nine final jeopardies and i'm always i'm always happy to point out that the final jeopardy i got wrong was not the one i lost on it was a dumb one and there is where their clue word tripped me up me and another player the two who said germany i think we both got hung up on barbarians and you just don't what was the clue it was this uh european countries and it was this prince this country's history includes uh, barbarians royalty uh, barbarians royalty and a movie and movie stars and a movie star and they were going for grace kelly but that barbarians clue on the other hand i don't associate monaco and barbarians oh, I just, so you were like thinking arnold schwarzenegger or something well for barbarians we're thinking marlene you know movie star marlena dietrich peter laura if they're thinking you know glamour star of the era i guess it could be marlena dietrich because barbarians and i think germany you know mm-hmm but it was wrong, but it was okay. I, that, I don't, I think that one was a runaway again, so it didn't really matter much, but it was just one of those that, that trip wire was in there and two of us tripped right over it. So it happens. The, the clues, you have to think about how they phrase it. But usually- when you were playing the game, were you looking at the other contestants scores or you're just focusing on yourself? During the regular, the the Jeopardy round and double Jeopardy, I try not to look unless I was watched, had to look during a daily double and see where, where we all were and how much I did or didn't want to risk. But I tried not to pay attention to it while I was playing. Jeopardy is one of the few things I've ever done where that's all I can focus on. That's the only thing I can be thinking about is the buzzer, the timing, the clues, and just over. And I can't stop and think, well, oh, they're behind. All right, he if he gets this, but there, there's just no time for it. And then at final, that first break, they bring out the paper, and you're sitting there doing math again. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to you know, carry the one. If I do that, no, maybe if I do <laughs> uh. all of this math calculation and how much can you risk versus, you know, if you're trying to cover, I had a couple games that were not runaways where you have to cover to, you know, if the third doubles it and gets it right and then we both, but I get it wrong. It, you have time for that before final, but during the game, I really didn't want to know most of the time. I just wanted to just get, just play my game. Don't worry about the score, especially on the first game. I really wasn't paying much attention at all. And nobody believes me, but to, I, I truly had no idea relatively speaking, how much money I was made, how I, I made for Jeopardy. I had no idea that that was a really, really good single game score because you've had people like James, had Jason Zuffernary come in. And when you see these people who win 18, you know, 20, 30 games, 
and James has every single top 10 single game locked up with you know, $90,000, $100,000. It doesn't, some of the other amounts don't seem like much anymore. So I didn't really think about it when I was done, just like, oh, yay, I won and I won by a lot. This is good. <laughs> I won by more than I know I've ever made in a single year. Yay. <laughs> well, the one question I'm not going to ask you is <laughs> what you're doing with the money, because I always think that's like a personal question. It, it, the real answers to you two are usually pretty boring. I mean, the number one thing is the, the IRS, the state of California and the state of Michigan would like their cuts, obviously. Um, but it, for me, you know, I'm going to travel, um, definitely comes in, yeah, <laughs> eventually at some point, well, we're booked in October and we're, I'm booked for next year. So, uh, you know, Delta, Cunard and Oceana haven't canceled anything. So, um, but you know, I got a dog. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I, Cost I $150,000. You bought it. <laughs> not not yeah. quite. She was, she was a much, much smaller percentage, but, um, I have, I have a Corgi already and, uh, I'd had only one dog for almost about two years and decided, well, I, I'm going to be sad on Monday cause it's going to be my last episode. So Saturday, let's go to PetSmart and went to adoption days. My Corgi picked out a beagle. So <laughs> there will be the tournament of champions like in <laughs> November. If so, I, I assume you will be invited to to the best of my knowledge yeah um right now with the tournament tracker we have the the college champion we have um jason me and then um mckenzie and karen also eight wins uh so there's there's enough of us and i that what i've heard is that the teachers tournament has been filmed so they have the teachers tournament champion who also has a bye to the tournament but at the moment obviously it's can we get people out to California? When can we do that? Since so many of us would be coming from a lot farther away. I do right. know they're doing auditions again for the regular games because a friend of mine and his wife both had Zoom auditions um, this last week. So they're, they're getting ready to go back into production, but for the tournament, August, September, November, October. But Well, hopefully you'll be on it and hopefully Alex will be asking the questions. Uh, I am deeply, deeply hoping. I, I, I very much want to have a tournament with Alex. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be the same without him. I'd still go, don't get me wrong, but right. it, it would not be the same without him. Okay, so now would you go to the tournament thinking, oh, this is going to be fun again and I get to do Jeopardy again? Or are you thinking, okay, now let's get some money here. Let's... Uh... <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. Um... Let's cash in here. Well, it's it's different in the sense that I now know who's going to be there. Um, and they're good. They're good. One of the first people to say anything to me on, on Twitter was Jason, who, um, who made a, a very kind, but maybe he's trying to psych me out, remark about my, my first in buzzer skills being better than his, which that that may have been true, but it's a whole new game and some very big motivation. I would like to make the finals of the tournament of champions. I really, really would. Um, it would be fantastic to win. And I definitely would like to, and I am, I am working on some areas where I know that I'm weak. Um, like Alex gave me grief about my wager on Patton. 
if he had told me that the Oscar winner in question was going to be a movie I've seen 57 times, I would have bet more. But if it was who won best picture in two, or who was the, the, the second choice for best picture in 2009, I don't know. Sports questions are extremely hit or miss. And with music, if you watch one of my games where there was a category about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if you notice, I'm not even trying to ring in. I have no idea. I have no way of making an educated guess. I know nothing. I would rather have Oh No, It's Opera three times in a row than a you know rock and roll or pop or rap category, though apparently I know more about rap than I think I do. Uh, so I'm, I'm boning up. My problem is I really have a tendency to deep dive if I find something interesting. Like I discovered, wow, baseball statistics are actually kind of fun. Oh, this is interesting. They're probably not going to ask me about this guy from the Red Stockings 1903 second batting lineup. So probably should not be worrying too much about that. Interesting as this might be, but I have to be careful with that. I have to try and remember, think like the writers, think like the Jeopardy writers and not like somebody who's going to learn everything about a subject. It seems like... Africa and Africa geography and Africa rivers and Africa countries uh, that always comes up. Canada always comes up. Presidents always come up. I should get Canada. I ought to get because I I grew up near Detroit and we used to go over to Ontario all the time. One of my favorite places to visit is the Maritimes, Newfoundland. I was in Quebec in September and I loved it. Um, So hopefully. But then again, I have my blind spots there. I can never remember the capital of Saskatchewan. I really shouldn't remember. But Canadian Rivers, there was one on the greatest of all time going Mackenzie. Remember that great game? Klondike, remember that one. But yeah, Africa, they love it because there's so many small countries and rivers. And South America is another popular one. Again, small countries, lots of fun geography facts that they can go for. So... But yeah, you you can drive yourself insane trying to figure out what they're going to ask you. The only thing with the Tournament of Champions is remember that's probably going to be harder when when they do those puzzles. Sure, rhyme time and all those stupid things. Yeah, I was a disc jockey once in Detroit. Oh, really? What station? WDRQ. Okay, yeah. W-DREC. This was 1974. (laughs) Drek. I used to call it W Drek. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. 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 I go yeah. up to Windsor all the time. Yeah, it's it's really easy where you used used to be. Uh, yeah. Not at the moment, but yeah, it, it, I grew up in Trenton, so down river suburbs, down near the the mouth of the Detroit River and Lake Erie. So I you know, grew up listening to you. Know, Detroit radio, Canadian radio. Apparently, when I'm in Canada, my accent is sufficiently Ontario. The people from the uh, eastern part of the country assume that I'm just from like Toronto or something. So, and the wor- the longer I'm there, the worse it gets because I grew up watching Canadian TV, children's TV. So they can do a Canadian t- children's TV show category, and I would love that because. I grew up watching all of these shows that none of my American friends who didn't live right on the U.S.-Canada border have ever heard of. They'd be like, no, I'm, I swear, I'm not hallucinating. There was this thing called the Polka Roo, and he came through a polka dot door. 
Yeah, see, I can turn everything into a Jeopardy category now. You start thinking in terms of answering, uh, you know, in the form of a question. If if I'm watching another game show, if I'm watching Millionaire or The Chase or Masterminds, I'm like, what is? No, that's not how we do it on this show. Who is? Are, are you allowed to go on other game shows? We have a six-month non-compete hold after our last air date, but because I'm probably going to be in the tournament of champions there'll be another extended six months on top of that so um after that you are free to go on another show i mean it would always be I, I, if i was ever on wheel of fortune i'd probably do terribly but it would be like my childhood dream come true both my favorite game shows from growing up i, I but I, i'd love to be on the chase if they still did that one um i got hooked on the british version when i was on vacation i was like why don't we have this show here this is great and we do for a little while um on game show network they had a version yeah so aside from jeopardy you're a writer yes i i try to be <laughs> talk a little bit about that uh well i i've been writing stories basically since i've been able to write um I sold a story when I was in grad school and then didn't really do anything with it for a while after that, but I've gotten back into it. I've got a couple books on Amazon, the novels that I got some very nice rejections for, which were mostly, we have no idea how to market this. Uh, I had one editor actually say, I really enjoyed it. I really liked your writing style, but I have no idea what we do with this. And that's been like, well, that's a compliment, I guess. Yeah, I once had a spec screenplay that was rejected and the producer said, I love the writing so much, it almost fooled me into liking this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Uh, so much. Thank you, I I think. Yeah, yeah. Thank thank you so much. But you're doing well. You have something in an anthology. I have a few anthologies sales recently. They're on my, my Amazon author page. Um, my latest one is in a collection called Tales of the Siblings, Not So Grim. And the, the pitch was they wanted, based on fairy tales, but they wanted them to be a little more upbeat, uh, which is obviously fantasy it can get very dark sometimes and dark is kind of in right now, but they wanted ones where it wasn't a horribly depressing ending. It wasn't all dystopian apocalypse fix. So I wrote a story that was inspired by uh, Russian and Slavic fairy tales and mythology. Cause those were my favorite when I was growing up, I have a beautiful fairy tale book um, with these gorgeous illustrations that my grandmother gave me when I was like six. And so I took a lot of the things from that and the story is called Stormspun and I'm hoping to get an, a whole novel out of these characters. But right now it's, it's in this anthology, Tales of the Siblings, Not So Grim. And again, they're all upbeat and right now upbeat is fun to read. <laughs> I'm not really at the moment, I'm doing a lot of reading at home, but I'm not really looking for anything with really down or depressing endings. So hopefully people will check that out. <laughs> if somebody wants to uh, check out your anthology, where do they go? Uh, you can look up on my Amazon author page under Jennifer Quayle. You can check out my website, which is authorjenniferquayle.com. I'm under that on Facebook. I have my author page there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jennifer Quayle. And I will post updates whenever there's something new. Uh, when I've got an uh, anthology or a paperback or Kindle out. And I also just post random updates that, yes, I'm still alive. 
my website is a blog, but it's not a blog because I don't post blog entries very regularly, but I will sometimes just pop up with random things. And any information about any future Jeopardy appearances, they will be on the Facebook. So if anybody wants to know if I'm going to be on the Tournament of Champions, you can you can check out author Jennifer Quayle on Facebook. And I promise I will post there so everybody knows. Uh, they'll be the second to know after I call my parents and be like, yeah, I have to go back out again. And my boss. And I don't know, maybe I will write a story with a game show contestant as one of the main characters. You can write the whole thing off. I have to, have to check with check with Sony's lawyers before I do that. But <laughs> Oh, they'll let you do anything at Sony. Are you kidding? Oh, they're just, <laughs> those lawyers, they'll let you do anything. Oh, uh, yeah. Can I quote you on that? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we wrote a movie for Sony in 1982 that they won't give us the rights back. So, yeah. Read the fine print on your contract. <laughs> no, no. Get a good lawyer. Yeah. Jennifer, oh. this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. It was nice seeing you win in person. And hopefully, <laughs> Thank you. hopefully I'll see you again in November. So come come back and 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 watch the tournament of champions. Hopefully, you know, whenever whenever we finally get to do it. So, and hopefully we can actually meet in person next time I get to go to California. Fantastic. Thanks, It'll Jennifer. Great. Thank you so much. Again, if you're interested in her anthologies or her novels, uh, you can go to her website, authorjenniferquayle.com. She's also on Twitter, as she mentioned, at Jennifer Quayle. And she has an author's page on Amazon, Jennifer Quayle, and on Facebook, Author Jennifer Quayle. That'll do it for this week. And again, our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, and Bruce and Jason Miller. Back next week with more. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. Oh, oh, oh. You can email me at hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ken Levine. Also on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. Okay, talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hollywood and Levine.